you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So my presentation is literally like five slides, and it's basically just like five pictures. So I, I don't have uh, a whole lot to say, but we'll, uh, we'll just meditate on uh, what I think is a beautiful concept that kind of came across um, some of my readings. Uh, a year ago, I picked up a, a book by a Catholic saint, and uh, he mentions a quote that has stuck with me um, for for this this time since I've uh, I've come across it. So I think it's uh, worth sharing. It's it's really a profound quote and uh, a lot to meditate on. Um, and we'll just meditate on two points that we could take home from this quote. Okay. So if you remember in the liturgy, we. Uh, we say a phrase um, that a lot of you are familiar with. The priest says at the end of uh, a part in the Agios prayers that uh, we were sitting in darkness and that God has revealed himself to us through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who is of the Holy Spirit and of the Holy Virgin Mary. You guys all familiar with that part? And then the congregation responds saying amen, right? So there's a beautiful relationship between the Holy Spirit and St. Mary and Christ working together in some profound way. And we see this in a very simple uh, quote where St. Louis says, Inasmuch as the Holy Spirit finds Mary in any soul, he's more active and mighty in giving birth to Jesus Christ in that soul. So what does that mean? We know that when God wanted to give us his only begotten son, he had to choose the, the most fitting human being that will bear Christ. And he chose Mary. And from Mary, we received Christ. But Christ was not just born of a woman. He was born of St. Mary and of the Holy Spirit. That's why it was a miraculous birth. That's why it, it wasn't uh, a birth as any other human being was born. Um, although there have been other uh, virginal births before, like um, uh, there, have been, there have been other miraculous births before, like we see Elizabeth who in her old age gave birth. That was miraculous, but this is a very distinct case because no one was born of St. Mary and of the Holy Spirit. So we see that when Christ was born, it was the Holy Spirit that produced Christ in her, that gave birth to Christ in her. So what he's saying here that as long as the Spirit sees the qualities of Mary, there is room for the Spirit to work in giving birth to Christ in that person. Because what qualified the birth of Christ to happen, it was that the Holy Spirit found a fitting place for St. Mary, in St. Mary, to give birth. He, he found like the perfect tabernacle. And it was in that setting that the Holy Spirit was able to work and give birth to Christ through her. So in as much as the Holy Spirit sees Mary in us, he also works in us to produce Christ or to give birth 
to Christ through us. So we all have to bear Christ within us. It's not just St. Mary, who is the Theotokos that bore Christ, but we are also called to bear him within us. And it's almost similar to the incarnation. Whenever we think of what we talk about in the, in the nativity, we, we talk about the birth of Christ coming in, in this historical event 2,000 years ago, but we bring that to a practical application. We say that just as Christ was born 2,000 years ago, he's supposed to be born in our hearts. And we talk about how can Christ be born in our hearts. That's basically like the theme of our meditation whenever it comes to nativity and Christmas and all of the talks on the incarnation. This is really no different. So just as St. Mary bore Christ because there was a fitting place for the Holy Spirit to work, and as much as we resemble Mary, and as much as we are like her, we have her attributes, we have her qualities, the Spirit can work within us that we may also bear Christ. Because that's the ultimate goal, that we become like Him. And everything that the Spirit does, it's to declare Christ. So just as the, father, the, the Son declared the Father, we see that the Spirit reveals the Son to us. So the Spirit works in us so that we may bear Him. So the real question is, how can we imitate St. Mary and make a fitting place in our heart for the Spirit to dwell within us, that Christ may take birth in our hearts and that we may carry Him as St. Mary carried Him? Okay, did I lose anybody so far? Simple? So, and as much as we make room for the Spirit, Christ will dwell within us. So how can we make room for the Spirit? How can we make a fitting place in our hearts for the Spirit? How can we be filled with Him? And we're going to meditate on two specific points in which we can be filled with the Spirit because this is essentially what St. Mary's life was all about. She was filled with the Spirit, and so Christ was born of her. So if we want to imitate her, we have to do likewise. So I'm going to talk about two points. The first step is very, very simple. It's tough. It's very tough, actually, but it's simple. Andrew Murray says, we must forsake all to follow Christ. This is the first step to being filled with the Holy Spirit. We must forsake all to follow Christ, and this is the very first step. In every journey we see in in the past all of the stories in the scriptures about the saints and even in the old testament from from abraham the very first step was forsake all your people forsake your land let go of everything and it's got to be like a leap of faith forget everything that you ever had and follow me you have to deny yourself and follow me Whenever he called his disciples, what's the first thing he told them? Forsake all and follow me. It's very, very simple. And what did they do? Like you see like Peter fishing and he just drops his net, leaves his father in the boat, like leaves him out to dry. He's like, peace out, dad. I'm going to go follow this guy. It was just literally dropping everything right there and following him. So it's a big leap of faith, but it has to be a real detachment. And obviously we're not going to just forget everything that we have. We're not going to all like throw our phones in the trash. We're always, we're not going to like sell our clothes. We're not going to go become monks tomorrow and nuns tomorrow. 
But there's got to be a spiritual, practical way for us to forsake what we have. And that's really a matter of our attachment. Not necessarily whether we physically leave something, but whether we are attached to that. And so I have to ask myself, what am I attached to? Christ said, unless you hate your father and mother, your brother and your sister, and yes, even yourself, you cannot be my disciple. Because everything that we have is such a far second that it's as if we hate it compared to our love for him. So if I were to ask you to think of the three most important things in your life, the three most valuable things, the three things you care about the most, okay? Maybe some of you will say my phone. Some of you will say my reputation or my career. Like, I would say like 90% of you are in that age where you're in high school, college, you're studying, you want to make a career out of all this work that you're putting into, so that's probably up there on your priority list. Whatever it is that you value, your family or your health, all of these things that you're thinking of that you value, if Christ was to come and say, are you willing to give those things up for me? What would we say? What would we say? Today we actually read the story of uh, St. Marina. And it's interesting because I am convicted beyond measure whenever I hear her story. So, obviously she's a woman, but she wanted to join the monastery, so she dressed up as a man and uh, went with her dad, lived in in the monastery, and then uh, whenever they went on a trip with a couple of other monks, um, this guy came uh, and said, somebody from one of the monks impregnated my daughter, and uh, it's this guy, Marina. Her name was actually Mary, but she changed it to Marina so that she could kind of disguise herself. And so uh, he said that this monk impregnated my daughter, and it's his fault. So I don't know about you, but if somebody accused me of like having someone else's child, I'm going to defend myself because I care about my reputation. <laughs> and so that's what any practical person would do. But her, her reputation did not matter in regards to her life with Christ. And so she didn't defend her. She didn't say like, yes, I went and did it. But she didn't argue about it. She didn't go to the extent of saying, this is wrong and, you know, I never did this. And she accepted the accusations and let her reputation totally become tarnished. As a, to the extent that she was an outcast. Like a monk in the monastery was totally kicked out and said, you're a disgrace. She didn't care about her reputation. How many of us are willing to forsake our own reputation whenever someone sees you at school and like you're, you're not talking like everybody else? You're not um, cussing and you're not like as aggressively sarcastic and stuff with your words. What do they say to you? Dude, you're weird. You don't talk like everybody else. But we want to fit in. We want to say those words. And so because we care about our reputation, we just 
go with the flow. Or maybe whenever we give up our Saturday nights to come to a Vespers praise, for, for an example, and your friends come and tell you, why don't you want to go to this party? Like, don't you want to be cool, whatever? And because we care of our reputation, we typically say, all right, I want to go. I want to be accepted. Take that to whatever aspect of your life that it is. Because for some people, the reputation doesn't matter. But for other people, maybe it's their money. Maybe it's their attachment to their phone. Right now, like I think the phone is probably the worst evil in our generation. That if you were to like go without your phone for a day, you might think your life is over. <laughs> and because we cannot detach from our phones, we can't spend five minutes alone with Christ. We can't stand up to pray at night because we're constantly on social media. We're on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. We can't sit down and read our Bibles because we cannot be detached. So no one's telling you to throw your phone away in the trash can. But you have to not be attached to it. If you can't give up your phone for a few minutes, you are attached to your phone. And if you are attached to your phone, you're not giving the, your heart room for the Spirit to dwell within you. Tell me one thing that St. Mary was attached to. She did not care about her reputation. As a matter of fact, she was going to be labeled as an outcast. She was going to be labeled as... A, a prostitute or whatever happened because she was married or pregnant outside of marriage. So Joseph could have had her stoned because that's a disgrace what she did. But she didn't care about her reputation. She, she told Archangel Gabriel, sure, let your will be done. What's this picture right here about? What's happening right there? Pentecost. Okay. If there's a event that deals with receiving the Holy Spirit, it's Pentecost. All right. So we can learn a few things about being filled with the Holy Spirit from this event. What were the disciples and the Marys doing at this time? They were fasting and praying. They were basically just sitting around. Just He said, Christ told them something very, very simple. He said, Behold, I will send you the promise of my Father, but tarry in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. He says, don't go anywhere. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, but tarry in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with the power from on high. So what does this word tarry mean? I looked into it a little bit, and it was actually very interesting. The Greek word um, is a word that some of us are very familiar with, especially the deacons. When Abuna is praying the anaphora, the deacon says, anas, right? So all the Coptic guys that are in love with Coptic, it's actually Greek, but do you guys know what that means? Anybody? It means you who are seated, stand. E kathemeni is you who are seated. Anastate is like anastasis, rise or resurrect, stand up, right? 
The word teri comes from the word kathesate, which is the same word as ikathemeni. So that's the same word as you who are seated, stand. Kathameni or kathate is the same root word. So what Christ is telling them to just hang out, Terry in the city of Jerusalem, is sit tight. Just chill out. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. Don't run around. Don't be anxious. Don't be nervous. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't be on full throttle. Just be still. Chill out. Be seated. Calm down. And it's actually like a sort of linger. It's, it's to sit intransively. Intransively is like to have really no objective. And so it's almost like you have no purpose. You're sitting around waiting. But unfortunately, like I was mentioning earlier with the example of the phone, we don't know how to be still in front of God. Nothing is more crippling to our spiritual life than this problem, that we don't know how to be still with God. And it's a commandment. You know it is a command. He says, be still and know that I am God. It's not like if you feel like it, or here's an option just in case you want to be still, go ahead and do it. It's a command. This requires a little bit of patience. Okay? And if we don't have the patience to wait on God, it's very difficult to be alone with Him. But patience is what makes us perfect. James tells us, let patience have its perfect work. Because so long as we are restless, we don't give God a chance to work in our life. See, God's time is really not our time. He says, my ways are not your ways, nor are my thoughts your thoughts. And as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. So don't depend on your thoughts. Don't think you have it all figured out. Don't think your timing is the right timing. A lot of us get anxious and we want the next step to happen. And we're impatient. But if we just slow down and do time, who wants more for your life? You or God, the one who died for you? Who loves you? God loves you more than you can possibly love yourself. That we don't really trust in His love. But, I mean, St. Mary was as patient as it gets. She knew what would happen eventually. Simeon told her, a sword will pierce through your soul. A sword will pierce through your soul. You will witness your son suffering and ashamed naked on the cross. How much pain did that inflict on her soul? But she bore it patiently. She endured. She was a woman of very few words. She didn't say much. She... She internalized all of those feelings and continued to meditate upon them and transform everything into prayer, patiently, patiently. So that's the first part. If we could kind of split this process into two parts, it's the emptying myself patiently. It's that patient surrender, okay? For me to be filled with the, with the Spirit, I have to surrender with patience. Okay? Now, the second part, and this is the very last slide that I have. In John 20, verse 22, 
Jesus comes and tells his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, you guys may not have really noticed this before, but the word receive isn't something like you would typically expect. As, as if somebody's telling you receive, you just have your hands held out for, you, for someone to drop something into your hands. That's what receiving is, right? Like if you think of a wide receiver, a quarterback throws on the ball, he's waiting to catch it, right? He's actually like sometimes running away from the quarterback. He's going to receive something. It, it comes to him. This is far from the word that's actually used in the Greek. The word in the Greek is levete. Levete is an active verb. Literally means to take. A more accurate translation is take the Holy Spirit. Okay, what do you do when you take something? You reach out for it. It's active. There's got to be a part on your end. You don't just sit back and the Holy Spirit just magically falls into your lap. You don't just go about your day preoccupied with other things, distracted, busy with your schoolwork, busy with your social media, busy with your friends, busy with planning whatever you're going to eat, and then all of a sudden you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come closer to God, your life is going to be full of joy and all gravy. It's not the way it works. It's got to be an active part on my end. And unless I am actively reaching out to Him, I will continue to be empty. And, and even though Christ breathed into the, His disciples, because this is, after, this is he, after this, He breathed into His disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And He breathes into them and gives them the Holy Spirit. But He breathes while saying, take. So it's a sort of synergy. Like, He's doing his part, which is really like 99% of the effort, but that 1% still has to happen for me to take. And so how can I take? What's my part? Okay, let's go back to the disciples and Pentecost. They were sitting around, right? We said that word that means to linger is to just hang out, right? But... Were they just sitting quietly? What were they doing? Praying. It's very simple. Ask. He says, ask and it will be given to you. He says, until now you have not received because you have not asked. St. Anthony says, the essence of our prayers ought to be that we ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of us are asking God, God, fill me with your Spirit? Fill me with your presence. Make me a tabernacle for you to dwell in my heart. That should be the essence of our prayers. And I'm not saying don't pray that God helps you on your schoolwork. But if every time I come to God, it's the same old story. Help me with this test. Help me with my MCATs. Help me because my back hurts. Help me with this and that. Like, okay, where are the spiritual prayers? So remember, those two go hand in hand. To surrender, to detach myself, the same way as Mary was detached, but to do so with prayer, and that's the active part. Those two are like the two wings of a bird. I don't know how many people have seen a bird fly with one wing, but I have never seen that. Okay? So 
if you want to let your spiritual life soar and take new heights the same way as a bird would soar with those two wings, you patiently endure. You surrender whatever it is. And I have to pray to God, God, what is it that I'm so detached to? What is it that I am stuck on? What is it that I can't give up? Is it my reputation? Is, is it all this gossip that I'm constantly filling my mind with? Is it social media? Is it my phone? Whatever it is, God, help me break away from those things because I want to be attached to you, not all this other crap. And that right there is what's going to translate into prayer. All right, and glory be to God forever. Amen.